to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. How's it going? Look, I got my mask on. Oh, dude, you don't have your mask on, bro? What's oh, up? Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I did leave my house without my mask this morning. I've and I walked before. a block mm. and I felt very naked once I realized it was like, you know, when you're dreaming that you're at school and you realize you're in your underwear. It was like that, but it was real life and I didn't have my mask. I've not had a lot of naked dreams. No. I've had a lot of like I can't punch people. My arm, my arms yeah. kind of. Or like you're underwater when you try to punch someone. Or I can. That one? No, just my my arms go like limp noodles. Yeah. Or I can jump really high. I can fly. I love those. Oh, just so bizarre. I love those. Dreams. But I have to think about it. I always have to like focus to fly. Yep. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Revolution um, Dream Interpretation episode. Just kidding. Um. Good morning. Good morning. I literally have uh, been working on this talk up until this second, and I still don't feel 100% comfortable with it, but I'm going to give it to you, and then maybe we'll do a, another one. Is that Kate? I can't even read anymore because I'm so old. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Kate. Kate from the UK. Steve says hi. I'm ready for you guys to open up the UK because I want to come to the UK very badly specifically Belfast, but I'd also like to go to London and visit uh, Barry and Kate. Kate gave me a book. Barry never gave me a book. Um, <laughs> I had to buy Barry's own yeah, damn book. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Barry. I didn't even get the free sticker that he was sending out. What? No. Nope. Did you ask for it? No. Um, well? He should have known better. I posted <laughs> pictures of it, though. Um, he, he did tell me he would give me a pen, and he never sent me that pen. What? Yeah. You could send him a passive-aggressive gift of your book. I bought him a really nice mug with a skull on it. Um, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Um, it's Sunday all day. I'll tell you what, as I say every week, toddlers take it out of you. They make you tired. I've done a lot of hard work in my life. I have met with some of the weirdest Christians and pastors and preachers trying to convince them to think differently. And that still was easier than dealing with my toddlers. I know that I probably missed a great joke opportunity there, but yeah, kids drive me tired, make me tired, drive me tired, drive me tired. Um, so yeah, so I'm exhausted, but I, I've tried to understand a little Hegel for y'all this morning, but just a tiny bit, not very much at all. Um, I'm sure Pete will, critique it if he watches this so hopefully he he does i mean hopefully he does please watch this pete reverse psychology always works on him um sneaky but yeah so we're gonna talk a little bit about that so this morning sunday morning i woke up and i'm addicted to social media because it's actually made to be addicted to um and of course i saw there was a um a Johnny Rotten or John Lydon, as I prefer to call him, article in the Morning Times, which is actually in London, 
but I read all my stuff from, all my stuff comes from the UK. Um, no, so I actually couldn't read the full article because I didn't sign up for it, but I've read articles about this before, but about John Lydon um, and how he's been taking care of his wife who has Alzheimer's and and uh, what that's what he's going through. But um, it was cool this morning because uh, when the article came up, I saw a lot of people writing nice things about him. But the last time I read an article about him that shared the same thing, a lot of people don't know a lot about John Lydon personal life. Um, but he also took care of his wife's grandkids for about seven years and took off from his career and just was a dad to them. Um, but it's funny, like, this is the part of like, I love punk rock, but this is the part I don't like about it is he wore a, um, a make America great again shirt. And, um, everybody got really pissed off and I think he liked Trump. Um, and so everybody got really angry and was like, F him, he's a fake punk, he's not a real punk. I mean, we're only talking about the lead singer of the Sex Pistols. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, no accreditation there. Yeah, and um, I was just amazed by the fact that here's a man and his wife is, is, who could afford to have his wife put in a hospital, but he refuses to do that. Spends all this time you know, being the primary caretaker of his wife. Raises his, his his wife's grandkids as his own, you know. Does all these wonderful things, and this is the majority of what all this stuff is about. And punk rockers even were willing to disown him because he liked Donald Trump. And if you know John Lydon, you probably know that he doesn't <clears throat> necessarily like Donald Trump for the reasons that most people would. He is kind of a working class lad and grew up working class. I think his father actually grew up in Belfast. Um, if I'm correct, but so, you know, working class makes sense, but he also does it cause he likes to, to piss with people and he likes to live his own life and he likes to do things that are contrary to other people's belief systems and push us as well. So no one knows what he is. Was it art? Was it real? Was it this? Who knows? But the fact is the only thing people wanted to focus on was this damn shirt, um, that was taken of him having a cigarette break out of his window with the Make America Great Again shirt. And I think he one time wore it somewhere else too. Out his own window? Yeah. At, oh, it was yeah. on his own property? Yeah. Yeah. But I think he also wore it out, but oh, okay. I don't remember. I, I don't remember all the facts. But but this was the whole point was is that he he was a supporter, not that he wore the shirt, but just that he, and, he, and, he, and I think he, they asked him if, what he thought about Trump. And he said, oh, I don't think he's such a bad guy or something like mm. that. And But the point is, is the only thing these people could focus on was this. This is political ideal. And the fact that we don't think the other politicians that we support are just as bad, like we don't, but the thing is, is Donald Trump's not a smart man. So he said a lot of things publicly that were not really good to say, but it's a lot of things he said publicly are what a lot of politicians think privately. And it seems like we like to have our, we like to have this kind of ignorance is bliss idea in politics, but I'm not trying to get into politics today. What I'm trying to get is in John Lydon is that people just tore him to shred and said, he's not a real punk. He's a fake. He's a poser, blah, blah, blah. And just threw him under the bus all because of that. And I don't like living in a world where we do that to people. Um, so that's my two cents. I like in a world where we celebrate 
someone who loves and cares about their wife so much, even as they're losing her, they spend every day with her, taking care of her. I like the fact that he doesn't really give a damn what any of us think anyway. I really do like that. Like, you can't really cancel somebody who doesn't give a shit about what you think. And I love that. I, I would love to be that way someday. I mean, just just doesn't doesn't care. It's great. Um, but, you know, or focus on the fact of how good he was to his, his grandkids and everything that he's brought us or his love for art and the way he does art. I, I was watching this documentary called... Um, the public image is rotten. And he had this falling out with a guitarist who tried to steal all this money from him and all this stuff. And they're talking about it. And they're like, aren't you angry? Aren't you upset? And he's like, yo, of course I am. But what's important is what's right here. And he points to the record. He's like, this was such, such a good piece of art that we made together. He's like, and that's all that's important. And that's what's right here is this moment. This moment that we share together is right here. And he was talking about the beauty of that moment being more important than their falling out, more important than, you know, all this other stuff. And I thought, wow, how beautiful is that if we all focused on moments like that where we said, yeah, well, yeah, we, we're not friends anymore, but we had a beautiful moment together, you know? Um, it's like when you go through divorce, if you're just like, oh, yeah, we don't get along anymore, but we have beautiful kids and we did have some really beautiful moments. And that's what, that's what really counted were those moments where we were in love because that was what marriage mm-hmm. was about was mm-hmm. loving, you know? What right. if we focused on those type of things? And what I found one is, is, is Mr. Lydon does. And that's why he's one of my heroes. So if you got a problem with that, um, I would just, I would recommend that you do this. And that's what John Lydon would tell you to do. But <laughs> I'll also give you grace. You can have a problem. We can have a, a good conversation about it, actually, because I got plenty of time. Um, but I think that's beautiful, and I think it's sad when we throw people away. And everybody's like, everybody was so angry. So now everybody's kind of calmed down a little bit. So everybody's like, oh, I love that man. What, oh, what a, what a saint. You know, everybody's talking about how awesome he was. And I was like, God, man, just like a month or two ago, you guys were like, not all of them, but a lot of you folks were just throwing him right under the bus and telling him, saying how horrible he was because of what he believed. And uh, I, yeah, revolution is here to help you not think that way. And uh, I would love to debate some people who think that way, who just write people off for those reasons. Um, but a lot of people don't want to debate anymore. And I mean, in a really friendly, kind way, not in like, let's go for each other jugular, but let's like really talk about this. Because I, I think a lot of people find their purpose and disagreements. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. Oh, you did read that article. Kate read the article. I haven't read it yet, Kate. I, I want to, but I have to pay for a subscription, which I might just do. Um, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and what we're talking about today is, uh, is Jesus. Everybody's favorite subject. Heard of him. Yeah. And, um, he's a good guy. Um, he was a good man. Um, if he existed, no, I'm just kidding. I believe Jesus existed. Um, Bart Ehrman over here. But some of this stuff I've really, really, um, one of the things I've I, I, I've been trying to understand Hegel a little bit with the help of Pete Rollins and um, giving me really good recommendations. And honestly, I don't even think I'm ready to speak about Hegel, but I'm going to just a little bit because there was a moment that I read about where one of my verses that I've always thought about got mentioned, and I thought, oh, I want to share this with people. And often if I share things, I can work things out as well and kind of learn as well. So we're kind of learning this together. Um, but... 
it's um, we're going to be in Matthew five seventeen, and you can kind of see where my rant came from too, probably a little bit from this as well. But I do like John Lydon a lot. I do like PIL, and I do like the Sex Pistols. Um, the article is called "God Save My Queen," so if you want to, you know, look it up, you can find it somewhere. Um. We're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff. We're going to be talking about Matthew 5, uh, 17 today um, and what that means. But first, I think we're going to have to talk about dialectic. Um, what is the dialectic? What is the dialectic? And so I, I wrote down two different kind of um, two different meanings that I liked that made more sense to me. Um, one was a philosophical one, and the other one was just a plain one that someone wrote that I liked. It wasn't even, a, I don't even think it was a plain dictionary. I just think it was something else. But anyway, most people know what dialectics are, I think, but it's good to go over. Um, philosophically, it is the inquiry into metaphysical contradiction and their solutions. Dialectics, one more time. Inquiry into metaphysical contradiction and their solutions. Um, dialectic two of the two seeming conflicting things are true at the same time so two things that seem like to have conflict are true at the same time so we're looking at dialectic we're thinking dialectically today and it'll be important for this and I, also one of the things I think we learned too is that Jesus might have been a little bit smarter than most of us give Jesus credit for you ever think about that? Like, how smart was Jesus? You know, if it was son of God, he must have known everything. Blah, blah, blah. But, uh, but honestly, the way a lot of people do, I mean, I think Jesus had limits like any human being. Um, but I think the way we often talk about Jesus is that he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he was just a common guy. You know, you could have a beer with him, you know? And I think that, but I also think that uh, it seems that Jesus was a teacher and, and knew a little bit about philosophy and theology and... and um, Paul definitely knew a lot about philosophy. I think Paul probably spoke to a lot of philosophers and worked amongst philosophers from my understanding. But but Jesus, I think he gets kind of this kind of like, oh, our simple loving savior, you know? And, and I, Hippie Jesus. But I don't think someone who tells parables the way Jesus told would have just been a simpleton. Mm-hmm. And I don't think someone who answers questions with questions is, is, is a simpleton. Um so Matthew 5, let me grab my Bible here. Um, I need to get like a, a Bible stand where my Bible's like yeah. right underneath the the thing. Because I feel like you guys look at the top of my hat. I'm going to sell advertising. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. And for a million dollars, I'll tattoo it on the top of my bald <laughs> spot. Um, Matthew 5, 17 says, do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Now, that's going to be the main thing we're focusing on. We're going to talk, we're going to go through 17 through 20 to kind of look at the whole thing in a little bit, in a few minutes. But right now, we're, we're the main focus of today is this. And so I've, I've seen this verse used a few different ways. I think I've probably used it a few different ways. 
Um, and I've had arguments with it. Um, I also think I've had like discussions on Facebook a few years ago about it as well. Um, and people always want to be like, well, what does fulfill mean? And what is this, you know? And he says he did not abolish, but fulfill. So what does fulfill mean? So we have to look at our way of thinking and um, how we go forward with that and how conscious thinking versus unconscious and and some of these things. So there, there's going to be a lot of stretching today. There's going to be a lot of in-depth thinking about it, and I'm only going to be scratching the surface, but, you know, 10 years from now, we'll be like, remember when Jay first tried to start talking about Hegel? <laughs> Wasn't it cute? Um, <laughs> why is this confusing? Well, it seems to fall into a contradictive way of thinking because it says not to abolish, but to fulfill. So you have abolish and then fulfill. Now, usually, uh, you know, so that happens. And then there's a lot of, um, a lot of folks who use this verse as, as uh, wish fulfillment in two different ways. Um, I have definitely had neo-Calvinists use this on me quite a few times to tell me that, you know, the law was still intact. So mm-hmm. they can pick and choose the laws that they want to pick, which actually is if you follow the law, you can't pick and choose the law. Um, at least that's what Paul says. But I have had neo-Calvinists um, uh, who are usually very bright, very smart people, um, but also very angry people and um, seem to be very confused on thinking that God has a different idea of what love is compared to human beings. Um but their wish fulfillment with this one is is that it somehow allows them to hate others, but with the concept of that actually they think they're loving. So anyway, they actually in some ways they do bring onto a dialectic, but the dialectic that does not work mm-hmm. um, because they think, well, I'm defending God's law, and we're all horrible and filthy people. And so me hating your sin, so I love you, but I hate, hate, hate your sin, you know, that kind of thing. Love the sinner hate the sin thing. Um, I, I just hate both. It makes it a lot easier. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Um, no contradictions. Yeah. No contradictions, complete sin. Just everybody <laughs> wins, right? Um, no, but but they do that. And then there's people like me who've been like, oh, no, but fulfill. You know, let's look what does fulfill mean. And we use it to just be like, it's grace, man. And actually, I, I have to say that Hegel kind of, affirms more my view of it than their view of it. But what it does is it allows us to both kind of be right in a weird kind of strange way. But it's actually, where do we go from there? Where does it go? What does it mean? What is it saying? What is it doing? And is Christ's message alive? You know, is is his words alive? Like, does he choose his words so they live? And Jesus wouldn't be the only one to do that because we'd be like, of course, the Bible's alive and it keeps talking. But philosophy does that too, how these guys mm-hmm. choose their words really particularly. And so the little sentence becomes life, you know? And and that's how, 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 how in Judaism, how Jewish folks were reading the Bible is it was alive and sentences became a life. Um, but what I like about philosophy is it takes it to the book where the words have life, but almost life even beyond the conscious into the unconscious and into our will and into the reality of living life of literally right. living life and how we live it and how it plays out in everyday 
and, and beyond just our conscious way or beyond just a literal meaning of a word. Um, but it, it goes, it's like a layers of onions. It goes into the bottom few layers. It just continues to go through these layers. And so that's a really big, it's really tough. Um, and, and it's why most people don't study philosophy and theology, honestly, because it is, it does get difficult and it does get boring and it is a, a struggle. Um, you know, but luckily some of us find it fascinating and interesting and, 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 and try it anyway. Um, so, so we look further into this and, and what happens is, is, as we're going to look at this sentence again, I'm going to try to take it apart here for a second. We're going to kind of take a back view and make a, a different look at it. But I says, I do not think I have come to abolish a law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Now, for me, Jesus takes the law um, to the next level, um, to a higher level in this. And how does Jesus take, move the law into a higher level at this point? But he takes the law to a higher level by saying, but to. So that but to, so we're right there when he goes, I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. So Jesus does a little building on mm-hmm. onto it. And so what happens here next is, is uh, the but to cancels the law and at the same time raises it to another level. And a way of thinking about this would be um, forbidden fruit. Um, You know, the fruit becomes more focused and thought about because it is forbidden. Mm. It's taken out of the way of thinking. It's taken out of the, you know, putting it on the shelf, you know, well, let's shelf this idea for now, you know, but all of a sudden, that idea that puts on the shelf almost becomes a, a, a more important because it actually has a place of honor in a way, yeah. where it sits somewhere, and so it's somewhere. Or uh, I've, I think uh, Pete always makes jokes about purity rings. You know, there's this thing that makes you think about sex all the time and have sex, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it's called a purity ring, mm-hmm. you know, because you have this ring that says, well, I'm not going to have sex. But now every time you look at this ring, you, re- you, think, about you think about what, it's, what it represents. Mm-hmm. And it prevents this forbidden thing. So that's the concept that we're thinking about right now. Um, is this confusing yet? I am. Um, so in a way, there's a negation of the law, but there's also a higher level of the law of Jesus saying, I'm not going to do it. Because he goes on to say, like, I'm not going to turn it over, and not one word, you know, all the prophets, all the, you know. And so you're like, Oh, and it really the 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 meat lays at the end of this of, of this thought that Jesus is having. But looking at just this simplistic thing of the negation here of what's going on with I didn't come to a lot but to this whole but to moment mm-hmm. of where he's saying I didn't abolish it, I fulfilled it. And so there is a problem here. You know, there is, you know, abolishment and fulfillment are two words that we can, can say like, well, yeah. you know, don't they mean the same? Now, negate would be another word that you'd say, doesn't that mean like, didn't he negate the law? Does that mean something? But here, let's look at negate and, and how Hegel would explain it. Uh, negation does not annihilate something. 
Um, what, that, but that's how our natural consciousness represents it to be. We think of negation as, as abolishing something or getting rid of it, that it's no longer there. Uh, but in a way, Hegel also talks about determinate negation, which is where that negation almost becomes a work in progress that leads to completion. Um, but it, 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 it's something that it's always there. The negation is always there. Now, this is, I'm sorry if I'm struggling with this because I am struggling with this, but I wanted to, to, uh, everything, you know, I'm thinking about like everything is not what it seems. So basically, Jesus is saying when he gets down here, and at one point he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the one thing is Jesus has an issue with the Pharisees, right? Jesus has, so Jesus is saying, if you don't take the law to its logical conclusion, if you don't take the law to its highest thing, like, then you'll not see the kingdom of God. So what is happening here is Jesus is saying, I'm taking the law to a higher level of meaning. I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm taking it to a higher level and I'm fulfilling it, but now it's coming to the level of grace. So by the fulfillment of this law, we're all guilty. So now what do we need? We need grace. Now what he's saying is, is if you don't follow the law, like the Pharisees, you, you, you end up like, you will, not go to the, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. So we've got this huge, weird thing mm. that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus brings the law to a higher level. So we are all condemned. It's not even that we're all guilty. We're all condemned. So once again, we go back to this kind of neo-Calvinist wish fulfillment is that we're all condemned. We're all bad. But it takes it to such a point that it eventually has to negate itself and turn into grace and love. Um, so the verse, so that ends up, so we end up with love and grace because that's what he's saying by fulfillment. It's been fulfilled. So he's saying, I didn't abolish it, but I fulfilled it. And through this fulfillment, the law reaches its natural case of being the highest form of purity. But the fact is, is none of us can grasp it. So unless you're as good as these guys, you know, and follow it this much, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. I mean, this is, a, this, is a, this is a simple way of Jesus trying to stretch our mind and how we think about negation, how we think about dualistic speaking, and, and, and what is the dialect, I'm not dualistic, but dialectical thinking, and, 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 and how do we <clears throat> enter into a metaphysical contradiction and the solution here. And what is the solution to this metaphysical contradiction is it is grace, that this is building upon grace. And, and the great thing is, is if you look at like Abraham, Abraham received the message of grace before we fulfilled the law. Um, so Jesus says, I fulfill the law, but the fulfillment of the law is the only thing that will save us is grace. Mm. And so when he says you have to go beyond Pharisees' activities, if you're not even better than the Pharisees, what he's saying is, is, is the Pharisees don't grasp the need of grace. The Pharisees haven't taken the law to its conclusion wow. that we're all so freaking guilty, mm. that the law has condemned us all, that if we don't find grace, if you don't find love, if you don't find this, the, the, the um, I, I heard Pete once call it uh, the, uh, you, the you don't have tos. So if you don't fall into the you don't have tos, which is grace, means you don't have to do anything, you don't have to. Um, do anything 
then you've missed it. So if you don't get into the grace, which means that you don't have to do anything, you've gone so far into a lot of relationships, now you don't have to do anything because you're accepted. I know this is confusing, but we're going to try to work it out a little bit. Um, so, so we end up with love and grace, which leads us to the fall into the you have to do nothings. Because the law is now obsolete to the you do nothings. And you go, how is that? Well, because grace also does something with us and with our conscious and unconscious as well, is that this freedom with love and grace, because there's something within that, it's still this freedom that's coming from something greater than ourselves. It's that accepting you're accepted, Mm. comes in and transforms us, even though we don't have to do anything. It's like AA. Um, You go in and all you got to do is have the desire to stop drinking. You don't have to stop drinking. You just have to have the desire to stop drinking. And a lot of people don't stop drinking, but there are a lot of people who stop drinking. And there's a lot of people where you learn to work the thing and you learn to work the program and you're able to fulfill into this thing and you start doing things. And the next thing you know, you're starting to make coffee and you're starting to bring in sponsors and have sponsors and sponsorees and do the work and do all this stuff. And so all of a sudden you start to kind of like, oh, you know, now I'm, I'm doing something. So grace is something that's extremely transformative. But you never accept grace with the idea that you're going to be transformed. That's just not part of it. Tillich talks about it. It goes, you know, you don't want anything. You don't need to desire anything. You don't have to believe anything. You don't have to accept anything differently. It, you, it just is. Grace just is. And so we have to allow grace to be grace. We have to allow ex- the, this pure acceptance to be pure acceptance. Mm. Um, and so we have to realize that the law has not been abolished, but it's been fulfilled and Mm. none of us can, can do that. Only Christ can say that only Christ can say the law was fulfilled. Matter of fact, if you want to follow it, let's read the whole thing and let's kind of dissect it a little bit. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish it. And here's that, but to fulfill For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of the letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, we can also be looking at accomplishment as Christ fulfilling through his death, but also we'll talk about that later. Um, Pass from this earth as all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least of these in the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty big, right? Mm. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of all the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Ugh, that's really confusing. And you can understand why so many different theologies have been put around this, 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 these few verses and why people argue about it, and why people come up with a similar understanding. Um, but Christ is, is, is by, by fulfilling the law, has lifted it to the higher level. It's been fulfilled. Mm. I'm not turning it, blah, blah, blah. Don't teach other people to disobey it. Don't do any of this stuff. You know, if you don't do this. But what he's saying is, is, is that we have to, through the denial of the law, through this fulfillment of the law, we're forced to grace. We are forced into pure acceptance, and we're 
forced to live into this dialectic way of thinking. I know this is so confusing. I don't feel like I'm doing it justice yet. Um, so I'm going to use an example that uh, a commentary on Hegel uses uh, um, where he says, uh, one of these examples, <clears throat> uh, let's see where they did it. An ordinary language uh, whose waywards Hegel loves seems to capture sublation in a naysaying moment like the following. Last night, the music was beautiful. No, it was sublime. Mm, mm. Now, now, this is what this, the commentator says. He says, the no here mm-hmm. both cancels the previous statement and lifts it to the higher level. Yeah. So that's what's happening with, 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 with the buts too, is the no thing, is that it cancels the previous statement and lifts it to a higher level. So no, the music wasn't good. It was great. Like my son will be like, hey, dad, I don't like the pasta you made tonight. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, no, dad, I love it. He loves doing that. He always does stuff like that. Yeah. I don't like it, but I love it. Uh-huh. You know, he thinks that's the funniest thing ever. But what he loves about it is, is that dialectic in there that he's mm-hmm. saying, I'm canceling out what I just said. And even making you know, I'm making it something better. And so, what we have here is is Paul. I mean, Paul. Sorry, I got Paul in the brain. Um, is Matthew. Jesus Matthew? Whoever Matthew quoting Jesus, um, quoting Jesus. Sorry, my Bible. I don't know what I did with it. Oh, I put it. I just closed it and put it away. Is so in a way we have Jesus doing the same thing here, is 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 saying I've taken it to another level, I've taken the law to another level, mm-hmm. and so we have something that is 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 seems to be in a way that they, we're, we're looking for something to be annihilated, and I think what Jesus is saying is you can't get rid of, you can't negate the law, you can't say it's not there. Um, but you have to negate it at the same time. Mm. Because only by negating it are you able to lift it up to a higher place. Mm. And to that higher place is that we want to bring it to from saying, you know, uh, last night the music was beautiful. No, it was sublime. So, so, so the only way from getting to sublime to beautiful is, is, is by getting it to fulfillment from, you know, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill you know, it's it is the only way to get it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Is the only way to get the law to grace and love. Wow! And which is the fulfillment of law because we had it before that. Because grace in 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 the prophets and and Abraham had the promise of grace before the four hundred and fifty years before the law was even given. So you have this type of fulfillment that happens in this Beautiful. existence. And so the proof is in that last sentence. Again, where Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And righteousness, right living, right this. So he's saying not if you fulfill everything of the law, because you, uh, you have to go higher than that. Unless, it's, unless He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds. So for in order to exceed the righteousness of these people who are doing and saying everything right, to exceed that, you must accept the fact that you are accepted for not doing anything that is right and, and for loving others and for grace. You have to accept grace. You have to go to the point where it does not completely, where it does not exist 
yet insists and goes on to a higher level. And I mean, it's mind boggling to think about it because I know it's just not our human way of thinking about it because we want this, either it's gone mm-hmm. or it's there rather than it's literally been transformed um, and has been fulfilled in a way that we can't grasp, that it has literally been fulfilled in a way that negates itself, but which hires itself to a point of grace and love and pure acceptance. So I know that seems like a stretch and I know it seems like a bunch of flips and flops, but I believe it's, I believe it's, I believe it's onto something. I, I believe Hegel's onto something and I do believe Hegel's confusing. And honestly, I wish I had a little bit more on this and I think we'll ask Pete to come soon and maybe he can even help us with this a little bit. Um, so So we looked at it as a way of forbidden fruit. We've looked at it as the cancellation that makes uh, and grabs. What did I put here? I hate when I can't read my own writing because I have dyslexia. Forbes and Bear uh, expresses uh, better. Sorry, I'm reading all my notes. Oh, I was thinking about what Bono said. Yeah, the lead singer of you too. He says, love is a higher law. You know, and then in the next line in this song, he goes, you ask me to enter, but then you make me fall. I can't be holding on to what you've got when all you got is hurt. Now, that is what is, that's another way of looking at it. He's going, love is a higher law. You ask me to enter, but then your law that's not high enough makes me fall because you can't get to the highest form of that law, mm-hmm. which is love and grace, mm-hmm. which is pure acceptance, mm. you know, which is the whole point of why people do the law right. is to please God, to, to sacrifice to God, to show themselves worthy of God. And he's saying, this is it. The fulfillment is love and grace. You are worthy. You are accepted. All these things are are fulfilled and done. The law is complete. This new law just says it's done. It's taken care of. It is finished kind of vibe um, through that um, at the same time existing. So there is a new law and the new law is love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. It's not a new law. It's an old law because when Jesus is asked about what are the two most important commandments and he says, love God with all your heart, equally important is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, when Jesus was at the Last Supper, he says, I want to give you guys a new commandment. So here is this commandment type of law. Jesus says, I want you guys to love each other, really love each other. By your love for one another, the world will know that you belong to me. So this is what we're seeing is, is, is a, complete, a, a complete dialectic shift happening that is hard for us to grasp. So when we talk about dialectics, it's not easy to accept. When I went into dialectic behavioral therapy, the type of therapy that I've taken that has revolutionized my life, and I remember they started talking about where two opposites can be true, and it was really hard for me to understand and grasp, and it's still hard to struggle with. But this is why you start to get into the depth of philosophy and things like this when you start looking at dialectics, because it's so rich, it's so layered, it deals so much with things that are just beyond our just normal everyday conscious thinking. It goes so beyond our our, our dialectic thinking and, and, and uh, no, are not dialectic. Our dualistic thinking goes so beyond our dualistic thinking 
our very, you know, firm black and white thinking of it's this or it's that, you know, uh-huh. legalistic ways of thinking this, 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 it goes beyond that. And you live within a tension that becomes really beautiful, but is really hard to express on Facebook or on Twitter or in a sermon or in a talk. And, um, it's really tough. That's why we people go to school to do this. This is why I'm reading a book about Hegel that's not written by Hegel. It's written by somebody else telling me about what Hegel says because I can't understand Hegel on my own. And I barely got to understand this. I had to call Pete this morning and have a conversation. And I'm still struggling with this idea of this negation, of, uh, of this dualistic, or this, uh, what is the word we were talking about? Dialectic. Uh, not dialectic, determinate negation, you know? Oh, yeah. That determinate negation says it's a work in progress that leads to completion. So it's this constant, like, and eventually it's completed. So, but what's great is, 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 is Jesus teaches, every, all, if you go through Jesus' teaching, it backs up what I'm trying to tell you in a, in a much better way than I could try to tell you right now. Um, but what I'm trying to say this fulfillment of the law, which is lifting it to a higher level, which actually denies it, but at the same time makes it into grace and love. Jesus's life and teachings all support this work and takes us to this next level. So I guess my point is, is there's a lot of way of dialectic thinking in the Bible and expressions. And to remember that, because I think it's important for us to realize the contradictions that also lay within the Bible, which the Bible has a lot of contradictions, some that aren't able to work out with each other, but it also has some that work very well with each other. But it requires time and studying and, and getting in there. Um, our church is different than other churches. I, I was reading this, this, this somebody the other day who, who put this tweet out that was like, you know, talking about the, you know, how sometimes people be like, if your pastor doesn't talk about this on Sunday, you need to find a new church. And then the person's way of of solving that issue was, well, you know, if the whole congregation worked together on the talk, then that would solve that issue. But for some of us, like with Revolution, for me, I'm trying to read these impossible books so you don't have to and bring some of this stuff there. I work through it with some of you by talking and we have great conversations. Um, But sometimes it's not about, that's not how it works. I mean, every church works differently, but for us, it's like, you know, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that with a surgeon. I wouldn't be like, can we just all talk to the surgeon and maybe the surgeon will take our advice. I'm not saying I'm a surgeon, but what I'm trying to say is, is this, this idea that, you know, we all have to work on these complicated ideas. And that's what I'm trying to do is work really hard to bring those to you. And, um, and in that, and uh, I, I'm reading a comment right now from Steve Peters that says uh, some believe that God exists in the contradictions. And I believe that too. I believe that that I believe that's true, and I have to live with that. And it makes me very uncomfortable to live in that way, um, uh, because I think once we start to get to the dualistic thinking, the black and white thinking, we often want to just always err on the side of law err on the side of uh, sacrifice uh, rather than trusting something that says it's done it's fulfilled you know just don't drink today you know just accept yourself today um just live in the moment 
because in that moment you will change because it becomes extremely grace becomes extremely personal at that moment. And I know that there's a lot of people who push back from personal salvation and things like that because they don't like it and they think it's all egocentric. Um, but for me, it is an individual work that's happening within each one of us of this kind of accepting you're accepted in this transformation that happens over time. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you when I got sober to go to AA, um, when I got sober, the only reason I was able to get sober was because I got the concept of grace. And the concept was, is God didn't care if I was drunk or not. I could be drunk for the rest of my life. It just didn't matter to God. God loved me, period. You know, that was done. The, the, how I thought about God was wrong. Because all the time I thought I have to get sober to make God happy, to be a good Christian, to do all this. And as soon as I lost that idea, I, I had been to AA before and said, there's no way, I'm not really an alcoholic, I'm not going to do this, this is ridiculous. But as soon as the stigma came off of it, as soon as the, the, the rules and regulations came off of it, the, um, oh, what's the word? Um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Remember when they outlawed drinking? Prohibition. Yeah. The, as soon as the prohibition came off of alcohol, ironically, for me, is when it wasn't as exciting right. anymore. It's not fetishized anymore. Yeah, it's not fetishized. It wasn't special. It, would, it, it, it wasn't even on the shelf anymore. You know, it was just in my hand. There it was. And I realized, oh, I want to quit. As soon as I understood grace, the Bible became alive to me. I wanted to study it and understand it because it wasn't the idea of that I'm doing this to make God happy. Mm. I'm doing this to be win some sort of heavenly right. approval, you know. Um, to fulfill the law. Or to make anybody else happy, you know. And that's probably what I would struggle with more in my own life is like, oh, I want to make other people happy so they listen to my work and so I can do this and I can dream this and have this, you know, blah, 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 and then pay my bills and take care of my kids and you know, there's still those desires to, to want to be liked, but with God, I don't worry about that anymore. I don't even know what God is anymore. Um, but through all that comes a radical change where all of a sudden now I desire to read Hegel. Now I desire to read the Bible even deeper. I, I don't want to let the Bible go, even though at this point maybe I could, you know, because I want to be there because there's something about that message of grace that keeps me there. There's something about that message of saying, um, of worrying about, about the victim and also the victimizer and saying, I can love both of these people. This is, this is the dialectic that I live in, that I don't have to choose between one of them. I can say I don't like what this person did, but I still feel there needs to be grace, and I hate what happened to this person, and of course right. there's grace there. Mm. And I can live within that tension and not choose it, not have to make a choice anymore. Mm. You know, because I live within this concept of grace that continues to throw dialectic things into my head that says you've got to choose one or the other. And the world continues to try to put these opposites within us, these contradictions that, that with grace says they're no longer contradictions, they're dialectic, that they work together. What everybody else is saying is a contradiction doesn't have to be a contradiction anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and it lifts us to a higher place of community. It lifts us to a higher place. I mean, when Paul was saying there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, what he was saying is there's no longer these contradictions. There's no longer these laws. There's no longer these levels that you all have set up to, 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 to separate you guys. You know, this isn't here anymore. You've created it. But with grace, this isn't here anymore. Grace does something that brings us together as a community and that takes away these 
even your identity um, that would would before separate you. And so that's the intricate workings of this religion we call Christianity that's really tough to work through. And that's why I, I say like, that was my point with the whole thing of like, we should all get together and plan the sermon. But honestly, I wouldn't be thinking like this unless I had to study and read and get to where I am right now. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I'm just saying I'm just good at my job. You know what I mean? Like a mechanic or something like that. Like we have to think about these things and go in depth to think about these things. And the problem is, is with like fundamentalism, we have a lot of people who think at a very basic mode of Christianity or a very basic mode of faith that says, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to dress like this, you got to think like this, but they're not willing to peel back the layers of the onions and spend the extra time. You know, that's why a lot of people give up faith is because they don't want to look deeper into it. And I get that. They don't want to live within something that has a dialectic within it. They don't want to live with something that they have to sit into a contradiction with, you know, and they're told their whole life that there are no contradictions to it by someone who did not go deep enough to realize that it's all about the contradiction and the dialectic that takes us deeper and takes us to the place where there's neither female or male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, afraid or slave or afraid, you know, all these people. You know, they don't want to go to those deeper levels, and we have to work hard to go to those deeper levels, and that's why we build community. I think that's why we have communities. That's why we have churches. That's why we have people who study. That's why we have philosophers and teachers and people like that to take us to dissect these things, to look at them so we can all work together to get to another level, if that makes any sense. Um, so I think we have to realize that, you know, some churches work this way. This is the church. Revolution is working in a way where I'm doing everything I can to understand these difficult things. One, so you'll want to, not so you don't have to. That's not it. So you want to, and so you'll also get on here and, and, and then be like, well, Jay, actually, I did, you know. I mean, I feel like my dad my whole life told me to read the Bible and study the Bible, and then I really started to do it. Then I found out this stuff, and they didn't, he, he was like, I don't know if I like exactly what, you've, what you've, you're, you're talking about. And I'm like, well, I got it because you told me to do that. I just guess went maybe deeper than I was supposed to. Give me back you know? that Bible. <laughs> yeah, let's just put that Bible up on the shelf for a little while. <laughs> but you know, see what I'm saying? You know, and so, you know, even my father is dealing with a limited understanding of the, the Bible, you know, and that's what we don't understand with a lot of these pastors and preachers that we have a hard time with is that they're, they're maybe at their reach, their limits. And so for us, to st- why do we study the Bible? Why do we read? Why do we look into these things? Why do we mess with philosophy? You know, it's so we can have these hard, tough conversations and not with the idea to win the conversation, but like the Bible talks about is that love that leads to repentance. And all that is, is a love that leads to change, you know, that draws people in, that helps people think differently, that helps people think, you know, uh, think about these, these ideas and these concepts that seem really hard to grasp and seem outside of, you know, human grasp and they're not outside of our grasp they just really are tough to to deal with and really tough to think about and really tough to simplify um and so we need more of that you know i mean i really feel like there's friends of mine who i can talk to who are who 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 who, everything they've rejected i get what they've rejected but i also want to say what you've rejected is a fundamentally fundamental understanding of Mm -hmm. these thoughts and these ideas. And I would also reject those ideas as well because they're so fundamental. We miss them so much. It's it's a six 
to 12th grade understanding of these concepts. And these concepts, in order to even want to embrace these concepts, we have to look with even deeper. And we have to look at the whole text as well, often, and how, see how the text, these different books and different writings, how do they interlay and how do they mm-hmm. interwork? And, and what is the full message here? And also, what is, uh, you know, also studying the Bible, I've learned that there's forgeries in the Bible, you know, and I was told my whole life that there was nothing like that in the Bible. So even understanding the, f- there are forgeries within the book that I will discount, and a lot of people can find and use and work through, and that's great. I discount because I realize, oh, it's, 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 it's made the message even, it's, it's, it's a toxic that's gotten into the water. And so it's making people sick and made people think differently. And unfortunately, because they've got this simplistic understanding that everything in there has to be right and be special and be magic, they can't let that go, you know? And so we have to have those tough conversations. Like, can we kind of have the tough conversation that maybe the Bible's not magic, you know, that maybe the whole thing isn't really the word of God, but that it's written by human beings, complex human beings, but it's written by humans who are wrestling with this well. And for we have to wrestle with it in order to find these truths in there. And uh, I, I don't think we have to do necessarily have to do uh, gym, uh, gymnastics or acrobat, be acrobats to, to figure out what the Bible means. Um, but I do think that it, it, it does require study. It does require understanding. It does require reading good books. Um, I used to ask Pete all the time if he could write an intro to um, pyrotheology. And for years, I asked him, you know, oh, you should do this, blah, 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 you should do this, you should do this. And, and then one day, he was like, Jay, you know some of the reasons why you're starting to understand a little sliver of the pyrotheology? And I go, why? He goes, because you've studied, you've read good books. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. You know, I've read this and this and this. And he's like, man, it's not an intro book. There's not an intro book there. You can't write an intro book. The fact is, is that you have to study. You have to read. You have to, to put the work in to get there. You know, there's no easy, there's no silver bullet. Um, there's no, you know, idiot's guide to pyrotheology. There's no idiot's guide to understanding all the nuances of, of, of Christianity and the history of the Bible and the history of Rome and the history of the, the Gauls and the history of, you know, there's just no quick way to do that. You have to be willing to sit. And read, you know, and I'll call Pete sometimes and I'm like, oh, what are you doing, man? You know, oh, I'm watching a lecture from this professor on philosophy about, and I'm like, put it in English, man. I don't get it. Um, But the idea is just putting in the work and taking the time to realize these things. Now, my goal is to try to put in this work and do these things and then bring it here and try to simplify it so we can kind of see the beauty of those things and that they're there and go, hey, look what I found, you know, Eureka, it's there. And let's, you know, how do we all get it and how do we share it? So I still want to do the, I still want to give everybody an easier path to faith and to religion. Um, you know, that's the goal of revolution is, is to communicate complicated ideas in a more simple, beautiful way. Um, but it's not always easy, as this one was not easy at all. I don't even think I actually did it, but I tried. And I'll try again. You know, and that's, you know, if you first you don't succeed, try, try again. But that's what I love about this community is I love that I can come to you guys with things that I'm not 100% on, struggle with it and go through it and say, oh, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that easy. And, um, and that we look at other issues that way too, you know, 
And, you know, as I started to look at politics, you know, and saw these issues, and I was focusing on all these different issues in politics that just drove me crazy and made me mad, and I wanted to tweet about them all. And then I started to look, peel the onion back, and honestly, capitalism started to see to be at a root of so many of these issues that I couldn't stand of this, trying to fulfill this, this lack, you know, trying to, to be happy and trying to find all these things. But it, it started to lead me back to, to, to capitalism, you know? And so now a lot of times I don't argue things out because I'm like, I see the root. I see where the root is growing from. And so now I'm so much more focused on the root. So sometimes if you see me silent about something, it's not that I don't care. It's that now I'm trying to focus on that root of that problem and going like, how do we get there? So, so that, so that, that part of the, the bush dies. So that, that, that falls off, you know, how do we, how do we get down to the mm-hmm. bottom of the roots and right. cut the roots? Instead of just the symptoms. Yeah. Then rather than the symptoms, but the symptoms are horrific. Sometimes the symptoms are seem are have become more even horrific than the very root Interesting. of it, you know, and that's the problem, you know, is that it's a distraction. Then. Yeah. So then we are completely distracted fighting this thing that continues to just grow wow. and rebreed and do all these things. Yeah. So these are deep, weird thoughts. And I hope today that some of this sat with you. Okay. Um, but you know what, let's do uh, a little afterglow because maybe you guys can help me clarify some of these thoughts. We've gone for an hour. We'll try to keep this quick. Try. We got quite a few comments here, Jay. Oh, geez. So hit me with it. This might be an ongoing conversation. That's okay. So hit me yeah. with your best shot. All right. Fire away. <laughs> uh, so we have a few people who are trying to kind of put into their own words. You know how there's that, uh, I think it's a platonic or a, you know, a, I think Plato or Aristotle, one of the two of them I know, had the exercise of uh, speaking back to. The speaker. Well, that's what I need. Put it back into their own words. Yes, please. So Jessica took a a swing at this. You got it? Our cameraman was fainting there. Yeah. Passing out. He was looking at all these comments. Um, Jessica took a little swing at uh, kind of restating one of your, I think is when you were first reading from uh, Matthew 5.15, or was it, yeah, 15 through 17. So the first half, the first part that you were reading. She, She took a little swing at it and said, fulfillment of the law can only start to happen after receiving the grace question mark maybe um and then heather took a little swing at it also and said the fulfillment of the law is grace question mark that's how i would have seen it and how i do still see it yeah i think that would be the simplest way to put it mm-hmm. you know is great yeah but also knowing that grace compared to the law becomes at a face value is extremely problematic. Yeah. But within the dialectic, it's a very beautiful thing. And within the unconscious of what it really does is even greater. Right. Than, it's greater than the law. It becomes, yeah. it, it, it does that switch from beautiful to bliss. Grace yeah. takes it yeah, to yeah, the yeah, bliss yeah. level. Right. And maybe that's a way that, that the law, not beautiful, but Yes, yeah. maybe that's the way that the that the law is is so active and alive is because you're constantly saying no, not pretty, but beautiful. Yeah, no, not beautiful, but uh, perfect. No, not perfect, but you know it, it's it's that constant. Uh, but rather, like you said, the the what was the first example that the commentary listed? Like no, or yeah, the music was not beautiful, beautiful, but, but bliss. Bl- yeah, bliss. Yeah, yeah. So. It's, 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 it's alive because it's constantly saying, no, not 
no, don't take the soldier's cloak for one mile, do it for two. No, not yeah. two, do it for four. No, not four, do it for eight, you know? Well, and the unconscious, too, is gives us different desires as well mm-hmm. and takes advantage of the law, which Paul shows us in, what is it, Romans 8, I think? Yeah. Um, I'm going to read one, one more swing at, uh, at restating that first idea. Uh, Jim said, maybe the law is an experimental teacher or tool or method that leads us to a place where we can, uh, a place that we can discover through experience where we are in need of a new perspective. Yeah. No, I mean, Paul said it was meant to be temporary as well. So you also have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. then that's where you come back to like, oh, it's temporary. But then you have Jesus saying, oh, no, the law is not done. It's fulfilled. Right. So then we have to live in that tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why it's so timeless then, right? It's because... Like, yeah, yeah, it's really tough. Kind of taken outside of time. Uh, just, yeah, by that attribute of it. Um, and then, looks like this is Greg here. My pop's here chiming in saying, um, the paradox that you have been addressing strikes me how the Apostle Paul says that, law, that the law is a tutor. It's not the end all. It's mm-hmm. a teacher. Um, Thomas pointed out that living in ancient Palestine... Um, according to the law, oh, in, in ancient Palestine, living according to the law was the definition of righteousness. Yeah. So Jesus was showing how to get to a new definition of righteousness based on grace that we were, um, that was where the law was meant to go in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. That's, that's really, really good. Yeah. And that's kind of like how Jesus is validating the Pharisees saying, oh, these guys are onto something. We, if we mm. have to fulfill all of the law, this is what it's going to look like, you know? And I think that's... What, well, context always really clarifies things as well, I yeah, think, too. And totally, I, I could definitely use more context mm-hmm. all the time. I just don't have it on the top of my head. I usually have to research again and again and again and again. Uh, Jim said again, he said, uh, love God, love your neighbor elevates our love for those around us to the level of true worship when we love on the folks with intention and obedience to this new understanding of an already fulfilled law. Well, and, and, you know, and to think about it too is what Jesus says is, is he changes the law as well <laughs> at, at, in the next few sentences, I believe, because he goes, you know, you've heard it say like if an eye for an eye, a tooth uh-huh. for a tooth, or if someone does you wrong, kill them, you know. And he goes, well, I say, love your enemy, do mm. good to them, do good to those who yeah. persecute you. So it is an elevation of a type of law that says, this is beyond that. Wow, yeah. You it's know? that but rather again, isn't it? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he goes, but rather. Right. And so the rather elevates, elevates, it. elevates yeah. it to a new place. And I think that's something that through is, would be worth, of. would actually make this talk better had I really gone through some of those. Is, you've heard it said, but I say. Yeah. You know, when Jesus is taking the law to another level. Right. You know, and that's wow. another thing is where we choose often to um, where people going to see Jesus made it even harder. So we have to do all these things, um, but they're not seeing it in the in 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 really the grace right. in the way of grace. Right? They're not seeing it in, in the way of like, yeah, but it's completely shifted. It's completely taken the law and gone. Yeah, it's right. completely done this weird thing with it. Um, Wow. So that the fulfillment part, then all of a sudden you have to go back to that fulfillment part of like, oh, this is the fulfillment is now I can't kill my neighbor. I have to love, I mean, I can't kill my enemy. I have to love my enemy. Yeah. Holy shit. It has taken it higher to a higher level. 
but there's something else in it and it's like it, it literally does become something kind of supernatural yeah oh my goodness we're and oh my so many comments responding to comments okay i'm just gonna read just a couple more here and then we might have to take some of this off yeah we mic. don't have to, well we don't have to read the comments no no, no i'm referring not, yeah. to comments because no. we'll just let the folks have conversation yeah. so i'm just gonna read a couple more here but if there's anything comments to us let's see what that is yes sir uh Ray said, uh, I'm sick of the criticism against me that I lost my evangelical faith because I read too many books and I studied these things at too young of an age. In no other field of study would such a criticism be laid down. Yeah, I mean, my parents were afraid of it. Even my own mother, you know, was like, be careful, you know, you don't, you could study yourself right out of Jesus, you know, and, um, but I also also think where my mom meant from that and what she understood from that, she saw people who would come out of seminary and not believe in God anymore. But often a lot of those people who've come out of come out of that type of teaching, they're disillusioned because everything they were taught going in and the reasons they went in didn't weren't there anymore. And so you've been stripped of all the reasons that you originally went in and you think, well, what I understand now isn't the same as what I've been told. And so it's once again, you know, it's <laughs> you've had a reformation happen within your in in you and you can't say well, i don't see god the same way these people do and i was told god is this way and now i've realized that it's a complete another way and so sometimes it's just the decision to say i don't want to live within this complexity i don't want to live within in the tension yeah. um i don't want to live w- within the contradiction yeah and i understand that especially when you've been told your whole life there is no contradiction and then you realize oh maybe all there is is contradiction totally yep i think that that is a great way to wrap it up there jay oh yeah yeah i think so no, we don't have any like hardcore like well uh this was a horrible talk or i hear I, i'd bad. say the hardest the the most um the, the strongest pushback, if you want to comment this straight up pushing back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thomas said, the Bible may be magic, but it was never meant to be a science book or history book. I think w- that's where we go astray. Okay. Um, is with the expectations that we put on it, I think is what he's kind of saying. Yeah, yeah. That is when we expect, when well, And we if it is magic, we, we all know magic is just illusions. <laughs> Depends on how you define yeah. magic, I suppose. <laughs> No, no, it's such delusions. <laughs> I've never seen real magic, so prove it. <laughs> um, anyway, well, thanks everybody for 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 struggling with me today and, and going through this. And um, I just want to let you know, like I have, j- this is literally the first few months of my ten year study of Hegel. I have made a decision, um, you know, to study Hegel for ten years. So this is literally the first few months of my study. So um, hopefully we'll, this will be clarified as, as we walk down this road together over the next 10 years. Um, um, love you guys. I appreciate you all. Um, life is tough right now, but I, I just want to let you all know uh, in this community um, is that this is the highlight of my week and that this is what I live for. And uh, this is what gives me strength and gives me encouragement and keeps me going. And your comments do, your pushback do, does. Um, just being able, I, I don't, I'm extremely introverted and extremely loner by myself a lot. And this time is my time of being with people and being with community, um, even if it's just online right now. 
and it's just words and it's just texts. But that's what this is to me. And uh, so I just want to say thanks for that so much. And uh, lots of love, lots of grace. And we will uh, see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for today. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.